Hello, and welcome to 40 Minute Fridays, now officially on iTunes. That's true! I'm Mallory. I'm Megan! And Megan's in charge today, so I have no idea what we're going to talk about, besides the fact that we're now officially on iTunes and Google Play. It's Fringe Week Part 2, another Mm. theater and fringe-related spectacular, but first, in a return segment for the second time and the final time, we have... All Our Wishes Come True, talking about Kathy's Cookies. Yes. Kathy's Cookies, sponsor of the pod. So between last week and this week, my amazing mother delivered on our request for pandemic cookies. It happened on the pod, mm-hmm. that whole request. Yep. You all know all about it. And uh, so we received in the mail. Oh, is this a snickerdoodle? No. They're ginger dunkers. Oh, they're both ginger dunkers. Uh, We received in the mail snickerdoodles and ginger dunkers. Ginger Mm -hmm. dunkers are my favorite cookie and Megan's favorite cookie. We got a lot of them. We Mm -hmm. have well over 150 cookies in our house now. It's wonderful. And uh, we're going to eat these ginger dunkers right now. Great audio content. Food, food, food noises. Mm. But they're so good. (laughs) They're so good. I told Mallory not to let me be the person to bring the pot, uh, cookies into the pod because I would eat them. And I did start eating while she was introducing them right after she handed me the cookies. So, yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want cookies, tweet at Ravenclaw2313 and I'll send you a cookie in the mail. This is how we get listeners, by offering cookies. She might do that. Mm-hmm. They won't be ginger dunkers, they'll be snickerdoodles, but... Snickerdoodles are equally delicious. Also, if you're our one faithful listener, just text your mom. She'll probably send you cookies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm not finishing this cookie. What's up next? Um, well, we can start with the tell me one thing you did this week that I don't know about. Hmm. I feel like this is a tougher thing for me because I don't know that I did a lot that you don't know about this week but I I know what you did last night but I don't know like okay details I guess I was a player in a role-playing game last night which was a great relief to not actually be the game master and not be in charge and it is a fate core based game but where all the players are playing fictional characters from established canons who all get, like, thrown in together. Mm. So I am Wanda Maximoff, otherwise known as the Scarlet Witch. That's exciting. hmm It's really fun. And I'm playing with characters that I don't know. Sam Carter from Stargate, Aphrodite from Xeno the Warrior Princess, and John... I can't remember his last name. Jonathan something. Sims, maybe? From a podcast called the Magnus Archives that I don't yet listen to, but apparently should. Maybe we should watch Xena after we finish the many, many things. I feel like Xena is something that we would like that is a hole in our nerddom. I agree with this. I also think that Mallory should watch all of She-Ra. This is not stuff that is news to her, but uh, mm-hmm. couldn't pass up talking on the pod that I finished She-Ra, and it's so good, and it's okay. And uh, we both cried. Amanda cried. Amanda did that thing where she uh, clenches every muscle in her body because something's gay, mm. um, which is fun when you're being snuggled by her. Oh, you're yeah. suddenly just like strangled. Boa constrictored. Yeah. I'm really into that feeling, too. I get it. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't into it, but I was into the gay. 
<laughs> and we are also gay, so you know, there's a double gay. That was just this morning. Wow, what a time. How many times <laughs> can I say gay on the pod? Gay! <laughs> uh, one thing I did this week that Mallory doesn't know about is that I started watching The Big Flower Fight. I think that's what it's called. Netflix has officially run out of ideas for reality shows <laughs> and now has a competition that is florists oh. competing to make flower sculptures. <laughs> that's wild. Also, it now occurs to me that it obviously is the type of flowers that grow from the ground. But I was like, Megan started watching The Big Flower Fight, this thing where they just... Throw, throw baking flour at each other. No, no, no. I think it's called the Big Flower Fight. It's definitely BFF, um, because I had the like fictional first dates thought of like mm. another thing with FF. Um, so yeah, I think it's the Big Flower Fight, which like stupid name for a reality show. Jeez. But listen, Netflix has got a monopoly on our lives at the moment, so mm-hmm. like. You go, Netflix. Create whatever you want. I discussed that it's the type of show that if you get angry by uh, watching people who are clearly not living as a part of the pandemic, like, there was a whole conversation about how this is going to change our world and there are going to be books that come out during the pandemic that were obviously, like, written before about, like, quote-unquote, the present, but it's, like, the present has changed a lot. And I feel like some people get really angry at, like, why would we be watching a show about florists? There's a pandemic. Give me more important things. And, like, explained already did a coronavirus thing. What more do you want? <laughs> I mean, I agree. Also, sometimes I like to escape. I've enjoyed watching all these CW shows where people are still holding hands and getting within six feet of each other. Yeah, we stopped making the they're not social distancing joke pretty fast. <laughs> On to the fringe content Ooh. of the pod. Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let's let's start with a nice top five. I have two top fives today. Ooh. So so we'll we'll start and we'll end on one. We'll see if we get to the second one, I guess. Um, I have to burp. I told Mallory this is gonna be the podcast of many burps because I'm drinking LaCroix. Um so yeah, sorry in advance. So my first top five could be fringe shows if we wanted to, or we could just do like theater experiences up to you but top five theater shows that you want to see again not like see that show again done by other people but like legitimately just want to enter a brain space where you can just watch it exactly as it was again okay obviously my first answer to this is a cheating answer because it's If we're going with just theater experiences and not necessarily fringe specific, Mm -hmm. my first answer is a cheating answer, and it's When Shadows Fall by Pseudonym Productions, Mm -hmm. which is an immersive interactive theater experience that I saw a lot of times, and all of those times were not enough times. Yeah. I would agree with that one, but uh, we're going to do like a bounce back and forth top five, and we can't. I'm going to try not to repeat. Well, but we can agree on that one, and then we each get two others. It balances out perfectly. (laughs) Sure. Uh, I was just going to say that I'm going to steal one that you will also say, which is when we saw Juggler and Mime the first time when Ben went out in the rain and came back very, very, very damp uh, and everything went wrong. That show is like quintessential, like that performance of that show was quintessential theater at its finest in like a... We love live theater because mistakes sort of way. A bunch of stuff happened that was not supposed to happen. 
too early in the show, and then the rest of the show was just trying to pick up the pieces, man. It was a wild time, but we had a great time. And we only knew because we then saw it again, and it was very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the moment, we were like, wow, what a, what a show. <laughs> what a piece of theater. Uh, I would say then my next one is going to be Variety's Carnival. <laughs> because A, I love circuses, and B, that is the show that definitely made me fall in love with Varieties, and then I have followed them since then, because I like their weaving of, like, fun dance, I like their music choices, and I like the fact that their dance shows usually have a storyline that I can follow, which I enjoy. Yeah, I really wish that we could have seen the first iteration of that mm -hmm. show. Because I did really enjoy the second one as well. Um, I would like to see, and I can see, again, Breakneck Hamlet. I would also like to, like, have Jeremiah see Breakneck Hamlet. Because I think it would be fun. Because, you know, he wrote a show based on Hamlet. It's a moment. It's a, it's a time. It's a one man doing all of Hamlet in an hour. And it's a romp. We love Tim Mooney. Uh, let's see. But Another. that one is online. Yeah, that's so true. So we could watch it again. We could watch it we again. We could show Jeremiah. We could make these dreams come true. <laughs> so my third one... This is tough. Uh, other fringe shows that I really, really want to see again. It's because you keep taking ones that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. I think 12 Angry Puppets is one of them for sure. I loved that show. I thought it was hilarious. It's another one that was part of Fringe Live, so I can definitely watch it again. But it's just really enjoyable. I like a... I think that 12 Angry Jurors is an interesting piece that I've always enjoyed. And I enjoy puppetry a lot. For a girl who doesn't like cartoons, I do like puppets a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see the first show that like I saw at my high school before I was in high school. Like when I was in middle school, I saw a show that if I saw it again right now, I know all those people. But when I saw it, I didn't know any of those people because I didn't go to that high school yet uh, and didn't know any of those humans. So uh, it was also a production of Les Mis. I like Les Mis. It was my first time seeing Les Mis. I've seen it a lot since. So it would also be interesting to have a critical eye on the show and of that production because in my brain it's like the platonic ideal of a production and it was really really good because I hadn't seen any other versions before but it would be interesting to see what I was like critical or nitpicky about watching it now oh. and also to like I think it's just interesting to watch a show with performers that you know in it like it's a different experience if you know them as, as friends and as people and so it would be like it would just be funny I mean, if we get to go in that direction, then obviously I have to say that I would like to see the final battle in mm -hmm. 2010 again. Uh, because well, you can. There's footage of that. Please me to see all of those people again. And also, I would love to experience it live, but like not the first time where I'm the nervous director who's really worried about things. Like just being able to enjoy it in the theater would be real nice. 
had another one on my brain. It was on the tip of my brain. Oh, um, another production of Hamlet. I really like Hamlet. It's my favorite show. Um, the version of Hamlet that I saw with Amanda and with our high school uh, when I was in junior year of high school was at Emerson's Theater, but it was like a traveling company. It wasn't the Emerson College production. I don't think it was Emerson College producing it. It was just in their space. I think it was a traveling production of Hamlet. But it was, again, like, it wasn't the first time I'd seen or read Hamlet, but it was a production of it that I really, really enjoy. And, like, the first production that I was like, I really like a lot of these choices, and it would be interesting to, like, see those choices again, having it be the platonic ideal of a production of Hamlet in my brain for so many years. It would be interesting to reanalyze it. I think that that one would live up to it. I don't think that the Les Mis one would, which is why it would be funny. I think that, like, it would just genuinely be another good theater-going experience. And I guess my fifth one is going to be ISU's production of Six Characters in Search of an Author. Uh, it is a show that I actively saw almost every performance of when it was happening and was a show that seriously inspired and informed me as a director and a producer and like as far as aesthetics go like it's everything that I love about theater creating like a play space and minimalist set and just like really drawing the audience in to your version of reality and it'd be nice to go back and see that again. Plus, they have a great part with umbrellas and rain that I really love. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good umbrella piece. That's okay. The The Hamlet production has, like, a really good uh, sort of garden witch aesthetic version of the uh, play within a play. Mm. And, like, that's a big part of the reason I want to see it again. They, like, banged on pots and pans. It was a wild time. Uh, my last one would be to go see Tales of Beetle the Bard by Lena. Gabriel. 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 That was, I, I know her name. <laughs> We're friends. It was just funny to say her name weird. Um, yeah, Lena's show and Rachel. Lena and Rachel wrote a show and it's a banger. It's a good time. Um, and it, you know, was only performed once. So being in the space to see it again would be really fun. I agree. Seeing it online is different. It's like, seeing recordings of shows in general is different. Which brings us to recordings of shows. Fringe today is happening. Yes. The all-online Fringe Festival, which is why we're theater and Fringe theming this episode and why last week was also Fringe and theater themed. It's been a full week and a half, two weeks. It's been like most of the festival except a weekend. Like, it's not... Yeah. There's one weekend left, and then Monday's their stuff. Monday's closing ceremonies. Uh, and that will that will be the end of the festival. So don't have any specific rhyme or reason, just some noteworthy things, some stuff we want to talk about, anything anything about, about Fringe Today that you're excited about uh, Yeah, so sharing. over the last week I've been watching just a mixture of Fringe Today shows. Uh, some of them... There are some nights where I've been watching everything, and there are some nights where I've just caught a couple of things. I've watched all of the kids' fringe content, uh, because that's what we're doing, mm -hmm. and I've tried really hard to catch that. Did you watch today's? Yes. How was it? 
was today cute. was the Shakespeare one, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, yesterday. Yesterday was, was the Shakespeare. Shakespeare one. How was the Shakespeare one? It was really cute. I liked it a lot. It's a li- it's puppets. So there's like oh, this exciting. little mouse and a little Shakespeare puppet, and then storytelling and really pretty art. I don't know where the art came from, but it was really pretty. Uh, all on Facebook Live. That whole set, so you can definitely go and rewatch that, and I would recommend it. And it's just been. The Kids Fringe content has been really fun. There's been an interesting mix of just presentational content and then some interactive, like, science stuff. Very similar to what you get at Kids Fringe. And I would say that that's a big difference with the way Fringe today is. Is that I feel like all of the Kids Fringe content is content that I would see at Kids Fringe Mm. even if Fringe was happening. Yeah. But a lot of the other Fringe Today content is content divorced from what I would see at kids or what I would see at regular fringe, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. It is a different platform. And I like mm-hmm. that they've sort of expanded. They've done a lot of those talks and interviews and Q and A's and stuff that they don't normally do. How related do you think that is to the inherent nature of curated content? Kids fringe is always a curated set of content for kids. Uh, and it's usually, several partnerships with local places like mad science or uh, there's like a nature preserve that usually comes so uh that content is always a little more curated you can obviously apply and like pitch what you want but it's going to be you know it's kid content it needs to be censored in some way but big fringe's big thing is being uncensored and not curated it's all by luck and so this is a little bit less by luck just in that some people were reached out to or people just generally like, could apply for things but needed to be approved for, like, yeah, that's the type of content we want on this interactive thing. Do you think that that's related or...? Yeah, I think that that makes a difference. I also think that for Kids Fringe, because Genevieve already curates Kids Fringe, she had people to reach out to when they were creating Fringe Mm. Today content in a different way than regular Fringe did. Because regular Fringe was like, we don't really want to do just recordings of shows Mm -hmm. we want to do some other interesting stuff so please give us that and kids fringe was like we want to do little workshops but you guys already do that for kids fringe we want to do some interactive stuff you guys already do that we want to do some shows and you guys already do that so they it was just built into their audience because that's what they curate anyway Mm -hmm. and i think that that was good but i have super enjoyed all of the content i have consumed Uh, i don't think that there's been anything even the stuff with technical difficulties has been fun. Yeah, it started on Zoom. Um, well, originally, Fringe Today was on Facebook Live, and then they moved to Zoom because of some technical difficulties, and then they had the Zoom public call problem of being, like, Zoom-bombed. And so they've moved back to Facebook. And I've really enjoyed it being on Facebook Live because I just think that that format is a little more comfortable, a little more fun, a little bit easier to share. They were already going live on Facebook because it's easier to get people's attention with a live stream that's gone live. It tells people as opposed to the Zoom link that you have to promote. Uh, Do you like it where it is? Things have been going Things have been going really well Mm -hmm. and pretty smooth. Uh, There are benefits to both sides. So I like Facebook Live because It alerts me when it happens. I like that I can put it on my television through Facebook Watch, which is really, really nice. Mm. So I can have it up on the big screen and we can all watch together without having to screen share my phone. So there's no delay. But the nice thing about Zoom, when they were doing the Zoom meetings, is it allows for a different level of interaction. Mm -hmm. 
So the story time with Brian that we discussed wouldn't have been the same on Facebook because interacting with the kids and getting that direct feedback is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think for kids' content especially, the Zoom was nice, but also... I understand why a public Zoom is also the worst for kids' content because mm-hmm. of the Zoom bomb problems. Luckily, it didn't happen during a kids' yeah, it didn't or a teen a kids. event. So, uh, but I do like the in- like the interaction with Zoom, mm-hmm. and Facebook can have that interaction with the comments, but it means that the people who are doing it have to be on Zoom and also have a Facebook up and see the comments. And we also know how far behind Facebook Live is, so it makes a lot of instantaneous interaction a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I think that barrier is part of the appeal for a lot of creators because you don't want someone being able to just unmute themselves and yell during your thing. Uh, And especially with the way Fringe was operating, it wasn't possible to just make sure everyone was muted all the time because you didn't need your feature creator unmuted (laughs) to be able to do it. So kind of a tricky situation for our Fringe show where we... uh, have we decided that we're going to guide someone through? Yeah, so for our friend show, it is an interactive YouTube video, and the plan is to have a person on Zoom who will make the decisions. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be Lindsay or Genevieve. As a, as a choose-your-own-adventure. We'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about our show at the end if we have the time. Uh, any show that you particularly want to be like, yes, this is the show that so far has been my fave, has been the best thing I've seen. Wow, I'm really biased, uh, but... Willie Carlisle's set has been my favorite thing so far. I adore that man. He is a folk singer. He is incredibly talented. He, Amanda said while we were watching that it's like she wishes she could be like him. Uh, And I think that she totally could if she dedicates some time to it. But he's just, I love his vibe. He's very relaxed. His whole thing is very inclusive He's very musically talented, and I love the different things he does and the way that he tells folk stories and folk music and, like, envelops that culture. And he puts on a good show. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he just puts on a good show. And I like to promote that one specifically because it wasn't a pre-recorded show. There have been some pre-recorded ones that are real good. Yeah. But I consider that really different. Well... My favorite was also not pre-recorded, and it was Mind of a Snail's <laughs> show. Uh, Mind of a Snail is a company that does puppet theater, shadow puppet theater specifically, uh, which talk about shows I would like to see again. I would love to just see cause and effect again over and over and over and over for the rest of time. Uh, that would be fine by me. But their show, which was called... Inside Outlet? Yeah, yeah. Inside Outlet. Uh, was really, really, really fun. It was also fun because uh, Amanda got to see Cause and Effect on, like, Patron's Pick Day because there happened to be, like, a gap in her schedule and it was like a run, go, you have a break for the first time ever in your whole life, Fringe Tech, and then didn't get to see their show last year. So uh, it was exciting to get to watch another show with Amanda in that, like, very specific fun medium I enjoy. And then I feel like we both, in pre-recorded land, are really happy to have seen Josephine. Yes. It's sort of an Orlando Fringe culture show at this point because it's traveled a bunch and been a show that's done really well for Orlando artists, uh, for an Orlando artist and for the producers and people involved. So, yeah. That, that show was really, really great. Really good show. A, a big standout. I don't know if they're going to release that footage, but it definitely was high enough quality that they could sell that and if uh if they do i I highly recommend looking up josephine uh the show it's by 
Tush. What is is that? How is that how you can find her on the internet? Yeah, uh, and if you look up like Josephine, a cabaret dream play, mm-hmm. you'll right, be able right, to right, find right. it. I was like, what's the tagline here? Mm-hmm. If you just type in Josephine to Google, you won't get it, so. So you can just look up Josephine uh, Cabaret Dream Play. That's what it's called. Yeah, and if they have social medias, follow them uh, so that you can see the show too, because I think it's really, really, really worth it. And so- definitely check out Fringe today on OrlandoFringe.org and also on their Facebook to catch some of the shows that, I mean, there are a few that we haven't seen that we'll catch up on. Mm-hmm. And there are some coming up. Mm-hmm. that will uh, be exciting, including ours, on Sunday. Yeah. May 24th at 3 p.m. Cool. So uh, maybe the last thing, we have about 15 minutes left, maybe the last thing we'll do today uh, is I want to do a build a show uh, sort of vibe, the same way we've built some teen dramas and we've built some reality shows. Uh, I would would have us build, like, the ideal Fringe show, but then someone might seal it. We might not be able to do it. You know, we build Fringe shows of our dreams about. literally all the time. We've built our dream Fringe show. It's called Infected, and no one will believe that we wrote it before a pandemic. Now they really won't believe we wrote it before <laughs> a pandemic. And I'm upset. We recorded it before a pandemic. <laughs> I'm upset. So anyway, our friend show infected. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. Hopefully we'll get to do. Mm. Okay, Mallory's well, derailed not... the whole podcast by making me upset. I didn't mean to upset you. Instead I was of... gonna say it's a perfect fringe show, so we don't need to create a fringe show. What do you want to create? Instead of building the like our dream fringe show, I have us building the most marketable fringe show or or like the fringiest selling fringe show oh okay um so i have a little more guidance than we normally have for these because i i didn't want to just start from square one uh so i think the first thing that we need to pick is the genre of show uh so uh one man shows do really well at fringe in like a traveling way so i think we also need to figure out if we want it to be a marketable fringe show for traveling to lots of fringes or just like an orlando fringe Orange venue, big cast, sellout sort of vibe. Not they sold out. The show sells out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. No Tino shade at. to anyone. Out <laughs> yeah. So uh, if it okay is so- gonna be something that travels like a one man show is really popular. If it's something that's here, like musicals sometimes do really well. Parodies, stuff based on other stuff. So what do we think. I think let's stick with we are forming a show for Orlando Fringe. Okay. 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 Uh, so in that case, I'm not going to go the one-man route. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going a comedy mm-hmm. route. Or, so here's the thing. we got to decide, like, comedy, parody, or burlesque. Mm-hmm. That is the decision. So which way do you want to go? Um, or just a comedy, parody, burlesque show. I think, I mean, mash it all together. I think it's a, like, a musical comedy burlesque show. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Yeah. So uh, it, if it's parodying something, what what is it parodying? Mm, okay. So we got to we gotta pick something that's a hot ticket item mm-hmm. right now to if, parody. If we were building something that was, like, super marketable for, for, for like, this festival season, if it had happened... Oh, like, I was right going to say, are we not building something that is, you know, very current? It's about quarantine. You know, mm. we're making quarantine 
the burlesque musical show. It's about people being naked in their own homes because they don't ever have to see anyone else. Yeah, let's pretend that <laughs> the pandemic didn't happen and this oh, okay. is building a very marketable show, but for 2020 so that the thing that we're we're referencing or we're using is uh we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to be hot in 2021. That's true. Uh, so we would just change it if mm-hmm. it was for 2021. Uh, so what what are some things that have been hot this year besides coronavirus? <laughs> I was just going to say Australia when it was on fire. Besides, <laughs> besides global crises, uh, like what's are, were we thinking like a movie or like a like a. TV, like a media that is popular. Yeah, that I think that we're going to do a media parody. Mm-hmm. So so we had Birds of Prey earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was uh, hot enough. What to... would be, would make the make the cut. Listen, it would work real well for a burlesque show, though. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like a Birds of Prey parody burlesque show. Could just be like a superhero comedy burlesque show. All right, I like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is it all ladies. So, uh, let's decide on a cast size. Oh, it's a big cast show. Okay. I, I think we're looking like 15 cast members. Okay. Uh, 15 cast members who are all going to be different heroes. Yeah. Uh, different characters. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a few people who are going to be a, you know, more than one character. Mm. Maybe a couple like ensemble who play, mm-hmm. play a few for bit, for bit jokes. Yeah. A la, like Bill and Ted, or are you are you imagining it more like a Bill and Ted that saying that it's going to be a superhero comedy musical yeah. burlesque show? Really made me think of those superhero girls that yes. one year. Yes, that's fair. Uh, I'm I mean I'm fine with like a like a variety show mm-hmm. is sort of the Bill and Ted vibe mm-hmm. uh, with more music, mm-hmm. more singing. Yeah, in general, like less less big dance numbers and more singing numbers. and more like. I think th- there'll be a plot, oh. a little more. Now you're asking for too much. Well, Bill and Ted has a plot, <laughs> always. But I think that there would be a little bit more of a plot than Bill and Ted usually has. Yeah. Well, I think that... Because they can be going on a superhero I mission. like this birds of prey angle mm-hmm. uh, and that it should be a uh, building birds of prey, but we get to take it in directions we want, so they're just going to add more characters to mm-hmm. it. You know, all the people that people wanted in Birds of Prey that weren't there. Are we also uh, universe splicing and adding oh, Marvel heroes? Oh, Marvel heroes in? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I was not going to. Hmm. Listen, a Captain Marvel Harley Quinn fight would be <laughs> chef's kiss. Okay, so then let's just... Battle this off, and it is a battle. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. it is a burlesque pro wrestling show. Have we gone pro wrestling? Yeah, that's where I'd like to go. Okay, with fifteen people, a burlesque wrestling show. Wow, Uh, I had I had a like we need a title. Mm. So okay, I feel like superhero SmackDown. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily how marketable that is. But I feel like if you're like, it is an all women burlesque battle royale mm-hmm. with some stunt elements. Because I like the like stunt fighting of pro wrestling. Uh, but I would say similar to like 
when we go see live chess matches or, you know, whatever. Like, stunt fights and burlesque off. The fabulous endgame of bombshells, birds, and babes. <laughs> I think that bombshells, birds, and babes is uh, maybe just the title. Well, bombshells and birds are both a DC thing, and I couldn't mm-hmm. think of a B that was Marvel. Yeah, that's, that's what's, what's a Marvel B word? I mean, babes. Marvel can have babes. The Marvel babes. Mm-hmm. But the the long title that the producers uh, don't want you to put on the posters <laughs> is the fabulous end game of bombshells, birds, and babes. Yeah, I like it. Okay. And then, uh, can I hear your best Mallory style elevator pitch for this show, as though you weren't associated with it at all? Oh, okay. So this is just a show that I enjoy that that you went and saw, and you know is gonna do well at the festival. Okay. So. The next show I want to tell you about is one that I'm very excited for. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit out of the normal realm of genres, but it's super fun. It mixes the elements of burlesque and everybody loves a burlesque show mm-hmm. with some really cool stunt fighting and like pro wrestling stuff. And I know, I know when I say pro wrestling, I know what you think. Like Raw? Like WWE? Yeah. Except like it's all you guys know how attractive Dwayne The Rock Johnson is. These girls are hotter. And they're doing better. But they're girls. I'm just saying. You gave Dwayne The Rock Johnson as a girls yeah. pitch? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Because people appreciate the beauty of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and you will appreciate the beauty of these ladies in <laughs> Bombshells, Birds, and Babes. Mm. What does the poster look like, Mallory? Paint us a word picture. Ooh. Okay. I can I can give you my poster design first, and then you can, you can have some time to think about it. Give me a variant cover. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think... I'm I'm really fixated by this idea of um, Captain Marvel and Harley Quinn because I think they like look similar enough. Um, especially like Brie Larson and Margot Robbie would be really fun on a poster together in general. But uh, if we're in Orlando Fringe, I assume Jillian Gizzy's in this show and she plays both of them in this poster. Um, she's already been Harley Quinn and stuff, and I feel like. If Bill and Ted was happening in the time of Captain Marvel, probably would have been cast that way, too. Um, but definitely, like, a very up-close uh, standoff between uh, Captain Marvel in, like, a like a ripped middle, like, crop top, very tight spandex version of the classic Captain Marvel outfit that we've got going in the movies currently. And then Harley in that big jacket from Birds of Prey, uh, but with, like nothing underneath it but it's a profile so you can't like there's no nip here yeah but it's just skin underneath that plastic um from from the waist up and that jacket's a little bit cropped so you'll you'll get a little you'll get their stomachs will be parallel Mm -hmm. okay all right all right the words in the middle uh i my variant cover is (laughs) a group shot akin to the scene in Endgame when all the ladies are rolling out with the infinity. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So I think that, like, a shot of, like, all of them uh, sort of coming towards the camera and all looking real good. In their wrestling mm-hmm. burlesque outfits. Yeah, so I like the idea that it's wrestling uh you know, some fighting, but also some burlesque elements. So my Captain Marvel would be wearing, like, the Captain Marvel outfit, 
from the films, but like as she burlesques a little bit, would wear the classic Captain Marvel outfit, which is like a onesie with a lightning bolt, mm-hmm. just like the old outfit that she wore. I don't know. Some some little nods in there for the people who are comic book nerds. Mm-hmm. Also, some super minor characters that are played by some of the ensembles that are just like nods to super nerdy people. Yeah, if we're not worried about safety in any way, are you uh, putting this like in a ring the same way the like wrestling show that we have seen at Fringe happened in the Orange Venue, or are you putting it? I am not on the ground. It's definitely on the ground. I might Mm -hmm. put out mats like they did for uh, the circus show for Night Circus. Mm -hmm. Like I would put out mats, Mm -hmm. um, a floor covering, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't put a ring because I don't want the walk-in, the lead-in. Like I don't want that element of wrestling storytelling. I want to tell our story a little bit differently and just have Mm -hmm. the fighting elements. Yeah. Would it just be sort of fights, so wrestling would be mainly, like, a few of them would be wrestling matches, but a few of them would be, like, burlesque sort of dance-off mm-hmm. yeah. situations. That's what I was imagining as well. Uh, and so my elevator pitch for it would probably gear a little more towards uh, the burlesque side of things, and I'll be like, there's some pretty intense stage combat, and there's also burlesque stuff, and it would be more of, like, a like a throwaway comment that there's wrestling unless I uh, I can tell that this person is a wrestling fan, which, like, sometimes... I've seen WWE shirts at... Oh, yeah. They're pop Fringe. So, uh, especially in Orlando because of all the full-sale also, filming. Also, the crossover between comic book nerds and people who like pro wrestling is, like, mm-hmm. real close. All the people who run Marvel Comics like pro wrestling. I know this because I listen to the podcasts that are done by the people who are in charge of Marvel Comics and they're all wrestling fans. And so are a bunch of the movie producers. It would definitely be easy to get people to like come to Fringe for that show mm-hmm. who wouldn't have otherwise come to Fringe maybe, which I think is interesting. Uh, I think to the Fringe audience I would push more of the like burlesque element and we yeah. would definitely want some late night times oh, yeah. for that burlesque element. All late night times. But um but yeah, to the like comic book crowd or to when you're hanging up posters mm-hmm. at the Geek Easy, like that's that's definitely the vibe. Yeah, cool. Well, with our last uh, minute or so here, uh, you've already said a podcast. Do you want to say that podcast again that you haven't seen but that you have a character from? Uh, so the podcast is called The Magnus Archives. It's a Rusty Quill podcast. I recommended a Rusty Quill podcast last week because mm-hmm. they're the ones who do Outliers. And... So I would recommend the Magnus Archives. Uh, It is essentially similar to like a Warehouse 13 or sort of idea. It is about an archivist who is going through case files of strange occurrences that happen out in the world. Instead of recommending you a real podcast, I want to uh, just put out the vibe that we're hoping to make a Stardust podcast at some point. Uh, We've been making Stardust content for Fringe, like we said, May 24th at 3 p.m. on the Orlando Fringe Facebook page, facebook.com slash Orlando Fringe. Uh, you can find it there. Uh, it'll also be on our YouTube page, which I will link in the description of this episode. But uh, if you are excited about podcasts, especially about podcasts that are fun for all ages that you can listen to with your kids, uh, we're really excited about potentially creating some Stardust podcast stuff soon. So uh, let us know by tweeting at Megan Lily Flower or... 
at Ravenclaw2313. Or both to tell us if you're excited about that. And uh, we have five seconds left. Wow, we really killed it on time. I mean, I cut a full two segments, but here we are. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. We always wave. We do wave every time. <laughs>